Okay, it's autumn, people. It's time to do some things to your lawn, your garden, outdoors, etc. Why don't you stick with us and follow my example right to the teeth? Hey, Mike, it is autumn. The, yeah. the, the breezes are blowing. The leaves are starting to fall. and The breezes are blowing. The breezes the are, are blowing. Flowing. The leaves are falling. Yeah. So, so it, it, it's, uh, it's time to clean up the yard, clean up the tools, clean up your beds. What, but, and this is what we're going to talk about, but I got a quick thing. I want to, I wanna, you know, how I always do my uh, clear the table and talk about something. This has been on the, the back show. of your mind for some time, huh? Well, so, you know, I've been traveling doing football, and when we hit New Jersey, Rutgers, I mean, they had those lantern flies. Oh! And then, for whatever reason, I was back there the next week, same stadium, same everything, and those same lantern flies were like, moving like a turtle, really slow that week. And the next thing I know, I see you're posting on our Facebook page about lantern flies, and I'm like, wait, I was going to talk about this in the next show, but yeah, you want to hit us uh, well, real quick? Well, the lantern quick? fly, like the gypsy moth, is something that was brought in from overseas. Um, and uh, the gypsy moth, actually, even the uh, uh, Japanese beetle came from overseas too, Japan-ish. Uh, but basically, the lantern fly also came in. The um, this one, he attached or she attached or whatever they attached themselves to some cargo that unloaded over there on the East Coast. Right. And then they decided that they'd infiltrate. Now, they do quite well in the wintertime. They go dormant. They're not dormant. I mean, when you said they're lethargic right now yeah. and they're Turtles really feet. moving real slow. So almost well, like a sloth. Well, what they do is when you saw them all over the cluster on the, on the trees themselves— um, I, I mean, thousands of them. You know what they were doing? They're like the box elder bug when it comes down to this time of year. Mm. They're having a, an insect orgy. And then what they do after the orgy's done, the female goes out and she legs, lays her egg mass at, at, all over the place. And then the, um, the, the lantern fly just basically goes off and, oh, I'm going to go off into the sunset. You're going to hear a harmonica and a violin playing. And then do 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 And they're gone. They're done. This is the end for them. But that guess what? I mean, for every female, you're going to have thousands of new ones that are going to be coming back for every leg mass that leg mass egg mass that they lay. And what what do they do? Well, what's what's the damage? Well, they they defoliate things. I mean, they're out there. It's not the moth. It's the caterpillar. It's not the moth from the gypsy moth. It's the caterpillar. Um, it's always they, a caterpillar. They, yeah, they they defoliate. They eat the leaves. They feed on it until they pupate, and then they become the 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 pretty you know moth. Now they're pretty looking. They're pretty neat looking. Yeah, they are very pretty. When they you know they got the like the brownish gray wings, and when they open them, the red vibrant underneath there. I mean, yeah, that yeah, is it's really, really cool. it's really cool. It's very pretty. Uh, but they're very very damaging to our you know trees. Um, any type type of, well, I don't want to see your garden. They'll eat anything. They're voracious eaters. It's kind of like having that fall army worm right now. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, really we don't know how to control them other than, you know, do our best to find a way of having predators that are going to be able to munch on them. Right. Um, birds, an organic way of doing it. Um, 
you got beneficial insects like such as the uh, 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 praying mantis that's out there. You've got uh, lady beetles that'll eat, well, not them, but they'll eat the uh, eggs. I mean, there's, I mean, there's a number of different, we, we might just have ourselves a, a way of having to deal with it like we're doing with the gypsy moth, like we've done with the, uh, the Japanese beetle for the last 60 years. It's just something new. Well, I, you know, so I'd never been in New Jersey before, and so I was just like, and somebody was talking about them, or he's like, hey, what the, what are these? You know, oh, those are lanternflies. And so just like, I just thought it was a normal thing. And I'm no. when I saw all this stuff about, man, they're invading New Jersey and New York area. And I was like, holy cow, this is, this is like our version of the army worm for this summer. Well, if they're going to do anything that the Midwest, most of the extensions, as far as the gypsy moth, They've been doing aerial spraying of BT, which yeah. is an organic way of knocking out the the larvae, but it's not going to do anything to the adult. Right. So, I mean, let's see what happens with the BT. I don't know. Uh, New Jersey, that's the way you say it, or New England, or any of that whole eastern coast. In Pennsylvania, they found them. They're working their way They're this way. They're working their way, yeah. Um, now, I, 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 I know the extension agents are, are panicking, but if it can be controlled with BT— then why not use it? I don't know what the, the Pennsylvania, New York, uh, New Jersey, Everybody, basically every have done. state's own code. Yeah, they have. They have to follow their own. Ex, well, not extension. Um, they, well, based on what they're promoting, Ohio State University, uh, land grant universities, basically have their own um, agents that go around to try to identify these as a problem and keeping count. Uh, Controlling it is another thing. I don't know. I'm not up up to date on what they recommend. Well, I just, if anybody listening in has an interest, uh, go to our Facebook page and uh, or, or just Google them. I mean, Lanternfly. Yeah, Lanternfly. they look pretty. Our Facebook page has a nice article on them. Uh, I might have to scroll down a couple days, but they'll be there. You can check them out. Just, I, it was just such a coincidence. I was going to come back and talk to Mike about these. Hey, I saw these really beautiful moss and, and the next thing you know Mike's posting these are invading the <laughs> east coast watch out Scott you know put on your helmet and let's get our ammunition ready there we're being invaded um well we are I go to the, I go to the one end of the extreme every once in a while I mean when it came down to the uh, um fall army uh, worm army caterpillar uh I don't know we got people that lost their lawns because they didn't water We've got people that, that saved their lawns because they watered immediately, and it grew back. You could go ahead, and I would strongly recommend you use an insecticide. It is recommended by a reputable garden center uh, to put down, preferably something that's got uh, permethrin in it or even uh, carbaryl will knock them out. Yep. Dilox will knock them out too. But d- definitely put that down so it protects your lawn from next year. Okay. I, I, so- I'm just paranoid. <laughs> yeah. I am. Yeah, I really I am. Well, you know. Well, let's talk some really neat stuff. Yeah, let, let's talk about that because, and also just a heads up for everybody, um, you know, if you guys wouldn't mind uh, subscribing or even giving, uh, go to uh, iTunes and give our podcast a little review or a few stars, as many as you'd like, more the better for us. It, uh, all that does is gets the, our name, our show in front of more people's eyes. Um, that's all it does. We're not making money off of this. We're at basically, all. you know, just going to talk, you know, regular old American English dialect to people about what, when, where, who, how, and why. And we're, we're not out there to make the buck. We're out there to basically help right. 
and talk English rather than talking 72 syllables on trying to, well, that happens to be the uh, Texas media brown eye. And, you know, why don't we just call it a U and then go from there? I mean, there's globe U's, there's upright U's, there's spreading U's. And that's I, what we want to do. Not to get too sidetracked, but I swear there, some of the official garden language is so messed up oh. that people stay away from certain plants and flowers because... It turns them off. It turns them off. I, I honestly think that. I, I mean, when we were talking about the things that uh, would, would be pollinators, I mean, uh, some while well, I was, you know, trying to... Come, some of these had really 17-syllable words that are made out of Latin when all you had to say was, you know, hey, th- this is a butterfly bush. I mean, you know, and right. then there's about 20 different varieties of them. Or code flower. And you could call it echinacea, but then they've got echinacea that's going to add. Uh, I mean, sure, if you want to oppress your neighbors, go for it. But, you know, you can always put overalls on, put on some gloves, have your pruners in your hand, have a sweatband on, spray some water on your forehead, make it look like you're really busting <laughs> your ass doing this. Um, or just enjoy it. And let's, you know, the, the less we talk about trying to impress anybody with those long words, long terms, the more people want to listen a little bit longer. It's, it's kind of like reading an article. If you're not into it, if you go and read the first three paragraphs and you're not into it, you're not going to go any further. Well, I want to talk to people about their American English. So uh, in, in uh, layman's terms, what do you have for us today? Uh, well, right now is a number of things. It's about five things to do as far as your yard care for your lawn and garden right now. What to do? This is October. When, so when you say yard care, are you just talking about like maintenance type items to, to wrap up for winter? That's part of it. That's part of it. Okay. I mean, I'll give you an example. Please. One of the, one of them is you know when people all oh, the leaves are going to fall. You live in a pretty you know heavy duty you know area for well a pretty area too when the leaves drop and they fall. Yeah. Um, what do you do with them? When when they're down and they're covering your grass, they uh, well I I do get them off the grass. The backyard I have kind of a woodsy area, so the backyard I blow into the woods to get them off the grass. Okay, so, so you incorporate front, you you utilize your area. Yes, the front yard I put out for the township. Why don't you? Because like doing, I'm right on a curve, and every leaf from the whole dang street, well, I west su- and south, ends up in my yard. I got a suggestion. Yeah. Maybe maybe instead of blowing it out every every time you mow, why don't you take a, one of the mowings and go over your, your mowing about two or three times with the leaves still on it. Mulch them down. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be incorporating the, gar- the, the garden. You're going to be incorporating the nutrients that are in the leaves. I mean, those are sugars. When they stop producing the sugars, they turn different colors, and the buds from the trees push the old leaves off. Well, you've got all those nutrients in there. It's kind of like a natural nutrient for your lawn. And I think if you do it well enough, now I'm going to get stuff from Slivy or the other lawn service people. It's got to be immaculate. You got to get that up. Come on, dudes. You know, it's going to break down. It's going to be an organic compost that you're going to be putting back or reinstituting into your lawn. And it's definitely a, a plus. It's beneficial for not only the insects that are not necessarily, let's say, your flower beds that are going to be overwintering, but it's also... Reinstituting the nutrients both in your lawn and your garden itself. So if you've got yourself a uh, a nice flower bed with lee with mulch in it, I don't really think it would be too advantageous right now to blow everything out of there. Leave it in there. Give it a harbor for overwintering insects and some other fauna that's basically going to be beneficial for that area. It's going to let uh, microorganisms grow 
when it warms up next spring a lot faster too. Mm-hmm. And then you can rake those up. Yeah. It's you know, it's all about I mean, I mean if it's, you're in it's an very convenient for me because I do have the woodsy area that I can blow things back and and do that and you know, make a little harbor for the overwintering pests. Yeah, overwintering pests. <laughs> Bees. We call them squirrels. Yeah, well, them too. Yeah, well, basically, the, the benefit of keeping the leaves in the lawn, if you can go over it about two or three times, mulch it into your, into your, 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 your lawn itself, it'll give it a little bit of an extra colorful tinge to it. But then also you rake that in or leave it in. You don't have to cover your plants. But after you're done taking care of your, your beds, just take the leaves and rake them in there. It's a natural mulch. It keeps things basically insulated, and it makes for a natural natural uh, place for insects to go through a process called suspended animation. When they warm up, then boom, you're coming back to doing their own thing. I mean, there's salamanders that are out there they're living underneath the logs. You know what a salamander is? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's it, they're pretty cool critters, but, I mean, you're basically going to be helping things, too. If you're in an association where they insist that, you know, everything gets... You can't do anything about it. Right, right. I mean, let them, let them, you know, have the lawn people come out and blow the beds out. You know, give the lawn its one final. But if you don't live in an area where you have an association, be a little bit unique. Mulch it in. And I think you're going to like the return for next year's growth as well. Superb. Superb. Now. What, what else? Well, I, I, you, there's, there's. I see your little book. you got a lot written I've down. got books that are coming out the wazoo. But a couple of them I was looking up. And I've already gone to the breaking down of the, the, the mulch on the lawn as far as the added nutrients. But then here's the deal. You're out there looking through. I saw you looking in your flower garden. You got your perennials, like your echinacea or coneflower. Mm-hmm. And you were snipping here and snipping there. Why were you doing that? Just out of curiosity. I, I mean, there's no good or bad. Well, there's some of the stalks, I'm going to call them now because they're pretty dried out. Right. That are just falling over and covering up the walkway. So I got to, you know, clean some of that out per well, what do you do, per what do you the do? wife's instructions. In the, but, the, yeah, okay. That's, <laughs> that matters the most. Yes, that's right. Okay. And then, uh, so the other stuff, I mean, but uh, most of them I keep for the birds to keep munching on. And Wonderful. The finches are still, I mean, they still entertain the cats even in October, so. Well, now they're going to be eating more than just your coneflower seeds. I mean, Annuals generally, especially since they've been hybrid. Now, does anybody know what a GMO is, genetically modified organism? A lot of your annuals are genetically modified, so when they go to seed, the seeds aren't going to produce. And, and we have somebody mulching leaves now. They're listening to us right away. Yeah, this, is, this should be the last show we record outside. Well, anyways, genetically modified organisms, uh, GMOs, will not necessarily produce new growth. When you get a non-genetic... Um, genetically modified organism. Um, if you look on the labels on the plants that you purchased, the flowers, primarily the perennials, we talked about uh, the pollinators before. Well, what they've done, basically, uh, they've allowed, I've, I've done it also, I've allowed my stocks to be there. I'm trying to impress the neighbors. I'm lazy. I don't want to cut things down. But when I do cut them down, I let them lie. But if you leave it up, the birds are going to definitely go after it and eat the seed. What are they going to do with that seed? They're going to eat it. They're going to fly somewhere else and drop it somewhere else, and it's going to grow somewhere else. That's the right. benefit of a non—I mean, a, a non-GMO or genetically modified organism. Um, 
what that's going to do is it's going to promote. I look great. My lawn, my front yard looks really good because I've had the non-GMO perennials. For instance, I went with, uh, it was a, a black-eyed Susan's, but it was a hybrid, different color. Uh, another hybrid of a, of a coneflower, had them in perennials. Let them take their course. I noticed that they were non-GMOs, but they went back to the original state. The black-eyed Susan, beautiful yellow flowers with a black dot in the center of it full of the seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the coneflower, almost something identical, but it went back to the original colors, to the basic, the, the lavenders, the, the, the pinks and the whites. None of this really organic, I mean, really manipulated colors. I'm leaving those things lie because I'm right. a lazy SOB. But when I do go ahead and trim them off, I trim off the seed head and leave the seed head lie because that makes me look so much better in the following season. Okay, d- so so you're not really like just cutting at the base and letting everything flop over and lay no. there. You're just cutting the seed head off using and then getting in, rid of the other. So s- I could take my cone flowers, cut the seed heads, let them lay in the bed. And then cut the rest of the stock down and Absolutely. dispose of that. Absolutely. So, and so I think everybody's you're happy. The, benefit the white's of that. happy that. with the look. The birds are happy. Yeah. Or take your seed heads and put them in different areas where you're going to want them to, you know, to thicken up too. Uh, the following season. Oh, okay. That, that that's definitely a plus. But no, I don't expect you to leave a a kindling of nothing but dead stalks laying around, yeah. and for for the critters because well, well, you may draw critters in, but I don't think they're going to be the ones you're going to want. Near your house. And we talked about this before because I let mine go ever since we talked with uh, Stacy B., the gothic garden girl. And yeah. she uses them for, leave them up for Halloween because well, yeah. they look eerie when the kids yeah, come Yeah, I mean, everything looks kind of deadish. Yeah. And, you know, it goes along right. with the theme. So, and then after that, I cut the stalks. But maybe this year I'll cut the heads off first, the seed heads, and then. And then, get, then just get rid of the yeah, stalks. I'll, I'll do that. Well, I'll be darned. I've got a convert. You know what else is good for your garden? What? Not just the lawn, but the garden. It's going to be what they call a cover crop. Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. Do you know what a cover crop is? I, it just, I mean, just in the past year, I've learned more about cover crops. Okay. What cover crops are used for is to reinstitute nutrients, especially nitrogen, into the soil where it was dissipating because the plants were utilizing all of it during the growing season. So basically, a cover crop is anything that's going to have a high nitrogen content that it will release and put back into the soil. For instance, a good annual rye is a good cover crop. Annual rye, if you throw it down now, it'll be up and growing. Um, Say by the end of December, everything's going to be dormant. You may have some new growth coming back the following season, but not likely. What that's going to do is you're going to till that in. You're not going to dig it out. Fill it in, and it's going to reinstitute nitrogen back into the soil. But this this is for lawn, well, lawn look, and or garden vegetable. So gardens. I can throw annual rye, yes, in the the garden area, yes, and just till it till it back in. Yeah, till it back in. Another one is clover, and that throws in about I think about nine times more nitrogen than uh, per acre than so, what. So if I'm going to do this, I want to do it with the highest nitrogen plant I can find. Right. Now that will grow in that area at this time of year. If you do the seeding now, I mean, any vegetable or flower garden that you had, if you want to do that, that's fine. Um, if Anything that, that, if you do now, you're going to get some decent germination as long as the ground temperature is still warm. Right. And those days are short, but it'll come up and grow. But it'll grow the following season, especially if you go clover. Now, clover 
if you do it, now they've made recommendations of doing it in the early spring, throwing it around, having it come up. It makes for a good weed barrier also. But then you could go ahead and fill that under so that not only it's considered a legume, and I thought it was beans or were strictly a legume, but no. Um, the the uh, clover in itself, and there's a dozen different varieties of it. Um, if you do it now, you get a head start. If you could still do it in late spring because it's a cool weather growing period. Where the ryegrass will not do that. I want you to do the ryegrasses right now. now. So when you're done harvesting your garden, clean it up a little bit. You know, get rid of the, uh, you don't want to put the pumpkin seeds in there because they're going to grow like a weed following next year. Just get rid of all, you can leave things lie. Don't dig it out. Leave it lie. But then throw the cover crop back on it. Let that grow. Come the following season, you can get all the extra heavy debris out. Till that cover crop in. You're ready for gangbusters the following season. What else is a what else is a good uh, nitrogen cover crop? I looked up. Um, there's about three to five different varieties of ryegrasses. Any of the hybrid clover, not hybrid, but the non the genetically non GMO clovers are a good one too. Anything that reinstitutes nitrogen, but then they're getting into the farmland um, products that I didn't want to go ahead and promote because the farms. I mean, the farmers are doing this. For instance, Thomas Jackson, the urban farmer, he did what they considered a, a, a rye. It's not a ryegrass, it's rye that they put in as a cover crop because it was recommended by a farmer. Put that in, grew fine in the fall, grew fine in the early winter. When it came time to till that under, his tiller jammed like 72 times every four feet. He could not get that under. That's for the bigger, larger equipment uh, and larger farms. Right. So in this case, the ones for the Maz and Paws, you and your neighbors, stick to with either the clover or the annual ryegrass. Now, this is all grass. Is there anything else that is not a grass that's a good cover crop? Yeah, but it gets invasive. So you're saying stick with grasses as a cover crop? For any of us, or, or you could go with the leg, legumes like the clovers, and there's a number of different clovers, but the annual rye is probably going to be your best. It only has a season, one season growth. The clover is going to put in more nitrogen, and it's easier to till under. But then when you get into some more, that, that deposit more nutrients, more, more nitrogen in, I'll give you an example. Um, there's a winter rye that I was recommending uh, that you could go ahead. But then there's one called common buckwheat. Buckwheat's a great uh, incorporated uh, nutrient incorporation as far as nitrogen. Uh, another one is crimson clover. It's a bright red crimson colored clover, but it grows tall. It's about three feet in height. And for you and I to do that in our regular garden, it can be a little invasive. It'll work its way into the lawn. Now, sorghum also, or sun grass, Sudan grass, is, is another one. But see, that gets tall. This is all designed basically for the larger acreage of those farms that are the big farms that are out right. there. Hairy vetch, V-E-T-C-H. There's crown vetch you can use too. But they're all depositing nitrogen into the soil. It's a bear for it to be reinstituted back into the ground. So um, partridge peas, uh, okra. I don't want to do it. Mustard. That's another one. If you can, you're getting right down to it. Any of the weeds that you're going to see are growing into the, ga the garden, you let it rest for one season, fill that in the following season. And they're all going to be nitrogen-rich covers. So I need to ask a real rookie question. Like, like episode one for me so when you till these in you're going to break them down enough that you're not going to get this grass growing during the vegetable growing season 
That's a good question. The annual ryegrass will not go to seed. So you're going to knock that down, and you're going to till that in anyway, and that's going to be a good... That's basically going to destroy... So you're not going to have any seeds there for it to, to you know, reinstitute to Okay, reinstitute. Okay. All right. Now, the clover, you got to get to before it goes to seed. So when you see that flower head starting to form on it, mm-hmm. that's an indicator. It's not a calendar date. It's a date that says, okay, take your tiller out and dig this in before it goes to seed. Okay. So don't clean up your tiller at all this well, fall. You don't have to clean it up. Gonna, I mean, you can go ahead. It. As long as it's functioning. Into December. Yeah. Or even January. January. Depending. You have to find something to do. I mean, to do this, you could, you know, clean it up, lube it up and all that, but still use it for certain areas. You've heard of no-till gardens, no-till farming. They allow the land to rest for a season. Right. All right? And, I mean, for the ma's and pa's, Unless you have two areas to grow vegetables, which I'm hoping you could or do, that would be pristine. But you leave one alone after you've had a good crop from it from this year. You let it rest until next throughout the till next year, and you work on your other portion of the garden this year, this following this next season. Um, when they say no till, basically it allows the nutrients to break down, cover crop, harbor for insects, beneficial insects, creates bacteria and um, microorganisms to take hold. And it basically brings the earth back to life. Mm-hmm. All right? So when you till it under, you're preventing any of that from occurring. And people generally say, oh, they're weeds. Well, okay, but the weeds are beneficial. I mean, you don't have to have them get four feet tall, but you can still crop them down and let them lie. Right, right. Make the weed work for you for a change. For God, yeah. Damn straight, dude. You're catching on. Now, when you made mention about cleaning a tool. Correct, I did. Right. Because when you talked about this episode to me, the beginning was kind of like our tools, stuff we're using in the garden, but you're actually using garden material to prep your garden material. So this is hardware and I'll say greenware. If you well, yeah, okay, me. the hardware. Well, let's back up a track. Um, when we were talking about the flowers that you're out there, the perennials were the seed heads, if you could just crop them. Well, the birds are still going to feed the birds are still going to be feeding on bird feeders and they're going to be taking baths. What I am strongly going to recommend you do um, until if, unless you're going to be maintaining the bird feeder, I want you to clean that out because for instance, the thistle, which is about the same size as what the coneflower seeds are. And it, it attracts the finches. If you get any water in that feeder, it creates a little mildew and a little bit of a fungus in there. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to go anywhere near it. So I want you to take that and clean that out from all the debris that you've had, let it dry Fill it back up. Go with fresh stuff. Um, but when it comes down to the bird baths, unless you have a bird bath heater, I'm not going to recommend you leave that out in the wintertime. The bird bath heater is going to prevent that, that, that water from freezing. And it'll allow the birds to not necessarily bathe in it, but they'll get their moisture and drinks from it. Um, clean it out. One teaspoon, a, a little bit of a bleach in there to go ahead and give it a little scouring. And then rinse thoroughly. It's, not, it's going to help to make sure that you don't have the algae, the red algae, the green algae or the, that's going to be collecting on the surface of it. Yep. And it won't poison the water either. So, yeah, bird feeders and bird baths, clean those up. Now for the tools. Um, shovels. Yeah, just get rid of the dirt. You don't have to go there, wash it, hose it down, because it's going to oxidize or rust. Rakes. You're going to be using that for your lawn for the leaves, or you're going to be using it by breaking stuff. Just make sure that everything is functional. If you've got a metal rake that is, or even the plastic ones that are broken, pitch them. Go to your garden center and get something that's got a good fan rake 
so you could go ahead and rake the leaves out to your street or into the beds uh, or in front of the lawnmower so that you could go ahead and go over it about four to seven times. You got plenty to do. You could go ahead and clean those up next season before you get started, or if you don't, you can do it in the wintertime. Uh, I don't really want you to do any excessive cleaning to anything. Hatchets, axes, things of that nature, unless you're chopping wood on a regular basis, sure, go ahead and clean that up. A pick, get rid of the excess mud. Just make sure that there isn't any excess dirt on any of this stuff, this mud. Um, again, you use the water. Unless you're drying them off, you're still going to get oxidization. There's going to be rust that's going to be on it. Right. And, you know, it's going to sit there. I'd rather you just leave and scrape the mud off with a wire brush if you can. Leave the excess soil on it. It's, it, it's kind of like a good pipe or a good beer mug. You know, you got to let it basically age. And especially for your shovels and any of, like, uh, scissor shears and type of that, personally, I would hold off sharpening them until the spring. A, it's going to give you something to do in the spring when you're all antsy and ready to go and you can't, so it'll give you something to do. Plus, if you if any oxidation does happen during the winter months, you're, you're cleaning that off at you're the You're cleaning time. it off, right. I mean, two birds, one stone type of deal. Yeah. I, I, again, I'm not going to make it the lazy man's routine. Let's just make it as simple as possible because if you do clean them off now with the water, the rust and the oxidization, you're just going to be doing that again next season. Um, if you want, I mean, my dad used to put on his tools, wrenches, pliers, things of this ratchet, you know, use Vaseline on it. Ah, never rust on that. Yeah, you'd never be able to get a good grip on it. Don't do that to your to your. Right. Just I, I would just basically let the soil sit there, not clumps of it, but leave it look dirty. That's why they made garages. That's why they made sheds. I don't want you to bring about 14 layers of soil in with you. But then, you know, like you said, Scott, you got something to do come January, February, March. Yep. yep. Right? What else you got? You got anything else good? That's about it for right now. I mean, now on the final mowing, what's the, what do you keep yours at? Your lawn. Do you hear the guy in the like background? Inches? Yeah, yeah. He's like, not, I guarantee you, he's, he's got a rider, but he's definitely not cutting it at the, at the final mowing height right now. No, well, <laughs> I've seen his mows, post-mows. Okay. Post he, well, where do you he, cut yours? So if I keep it at three and a half, I'll, I'll cut it down to three, you know, only a half inch, maybe, maybe an inch sometimes, to, just to help with blowing in the leaves. But it looks really good after that because the grasses start yeah. slowing down in the growth. It's a, the la even the last one, I don't. I have a hard time with the scalping idea. Thank you. So, That's what I wanted to bring before we closed on this. Yeah, I have a hard time doing that. It's not necessary. People are saying, oh, you got to graduate down. You're going to go from three inches to two and a half to two inches to one and a half inch and leave it there. Well, one and a half inches is going to scalp the hell out of your lawn. No, I don't do that. Um, I, I mean, I it, lower it, but I don't. Go. Well, you keep it at two and a half inches. I mean, you're cutting at three in the middle of the growing season. You're irrigating on a regular basis. And then when it starts to slow down in growth, go down that half an inch or one notch. Most of those notches are a half inch. Yes. Some of them are quarter, but most of them are a half inch. When you bring it down to one notch, your lawn looks pristine it looks vacuumed. It looks like it's just, you know, like right, right. at a major league baseball or football field. And then, the, so the, in the last one, I'll go down one more notch. But that's still only an inch lower, not 
That brings it down to two, two inches. Yes. And that's well, it. Or two and a half, because I, right. I got sand, so I mow as high as possible in the summer. So in this case, I, you know, folks, snow mold isn't really going to be a big thing, because next year when you do have it, all we're going to recommend is you take that rake that you yeah. cleaned off in January, lightly let air get down on the inside of it, and then mow it. It'll work its way out. It's going to be like bleached out hair. It'll work its way out from the root. Sound effects brought to you by my neighbor. He's got a wonderful lawnmower that he's riding on right at this moment. What happened to the health factor pushing it yourself? Because he doesn't have knees like Michael Rourke doesn't. <laughs> anyway, so that wraps up all your suggestions, right, Mike? Yeah, for right now. I may have a few more next week, but for right now, just focus on generally doing not a whole bunch, making it easier on yourself with the leaves in the yard. Every other mowing, maybe take some of the leaves and reinstitute them in your lawn. Yeah, Bring some leaves good. over into your flower bed. Have way, have a wonderful, you know, Halloween, first part of November. Let's see what I can come up later on. So I do know we are working on a couple of episodes coming up. Uh, one, we'll be talking grass seed and bird seed, the seed manufacturing, yes. distributing itself. So that's more of a winter, you know, November type of uh, episode we'll be hitting. Just kind of interesting, some interesting facts about that. We'll hit up our our wrap and discuss and then we're also planning to have um a gentleman who takes care of a college campus and we're thinking about making that maybe uh, a three-part series or maybe even four kind of kind of like having slivy on our first season where we came on every few weeks this is gonna be a no holes barred thing you're gonna have yeah. slivy never I mean, mind if you imagine taking care of just your house your yard in your garden now multiply that by a college campus with multiple campus locations it's uh it's going to be very interesting just to see how they go about that all right everybody you have a great halloween like mike said end of october and we'll uh we'll be back soon is it a pumpkin spice latte or latte or whatever they call it you, have you ever had pumpkin spice? I, I, do, I don't do that. See you guys. Black coffee. We're going to leave it alone. I want those big crunchy. I want to go Halloweening, those, the, the large candy bars. Never mind. All right. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to your Midwest Garden. If you like today's conversation, please share this podcast with friends and family. And don't forget to click on the subscribe button so you won't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you have any show topics you'd like us to discuss, head on over to our sponsor's Facebook page, which is Black Diamond Garden Center, and message them your topic idea. For all of us at your Midwest Garden Podcast, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation.